Blog Talk Radio. Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, once a slave, became a brilliant and powerful leader of the anti-slavery movement. In 1852, he was asked to speak in celebration of the 4th of July. Fellow citizens, pardon me and allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or those I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us. I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common the rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems or in human mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? What to the American slave? is your 4th of July. I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days of the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and Hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes that would, that would disgrace a nation of savages. There's not a nation of the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. At a time like this, scorching irony not convincing argument is needed. Oh, had I the ability and could reach the nation's ear, I would today pour forth a stream, a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm. The whirlwind, the earthquake, the feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed and the crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced. <clears throat> Well,
welcome to another episode of Our Own Voices Live. You just heard James Earl Jones giving a rendition of Frederick Douglass's speech for 4th of July to the Negro. What does it mean to the Negro? What does it mean to you? And what should it mean? Has America really lived up to the tenets of that document that is so finely vaulted to the rest of the world? Or is it still very much a work in progress that started out from the very beginning with the nation's original sin of slavery? Well, that's today on Our Own Voices Live, and the title of our show is Fourth of July to the Negro, Barbecue, Clyde Kennard, and Clemency for Drug Offenders. A little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those who listen to us on the East Coast. So 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast, 3.30 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. Happy 4th of July. Hopefully you are celebrating your Independence Day. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its culture diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. One of the ways that we do it is with shows like what you're listening to now, Our Own Voices Live. We also have Our Own Voices, the print as well as digital magazine. Of course, we have community events like our annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil. We also have poetry events to give our young people an opportunity to share because poetry and the arts was very much a part of the movement from the time of the 50s and even on back to when our ancestors first came to this country. And of course, we also have the gathering that's every Friday, or most Fridays anyway, normally held the fourth the first through the fourth Friday, uh, inside the West Side Bistro, which is a part of Nevada Park, is located at 710 West Lakeney Boulevard in North Las Vegas. Uh, on the fifth Friday, and days that the bistro is closed, we hold it at TT's Rib Crib, which is located at on Durango, right at the intersection of Spring Mountain, and that's where we held it yesterday. And that's where we get a chance to meet and greet, share, talk about current event, and whatever that's on our minds, we ask that you bring a hearty appetite for the food and also for knowledge and be willing to share some of your knowledge. Well, it is amazing that another year has passed and we are celebrating Independence Day. And on this day of celebrating Independence, we hear that our president, is going to provide clemency for nonviolent drug offenders. So we will discuss that and what that means. It's also a time where hopefully we're going to share a story about a pioneering civil rights individual whose shoulders many of us stand on that maybe most of us have never heard of, and that individual is Clyde Kennard, Clyde Kennard, because his Independence Day came at his death, and his story, one that may not bring celebration, especially as we recognize independence on the 4th of July. And then we're going to talk about, believe it or not, barbecues. Yes, that's right, barbecues. So we want to share with you the origin of barbecues in America. It might not be what you think. And then, of course, as we started our show with the speech from Frederick Douglass of 4th of July to the Negro. What does it mean? But even more, what should the 4th of July 
mean to us all. So let's, well, first I, I want to hit you with, I want to talk to you about, what did you think about that speech from Frederick Douglass in general? And then how relevant is it today? Feel free to give us a call at every code 347 347-826-9600, and press option one, because I would love to hear what you think about and what you thought about that speech as recited by James Earl Jones, but that was given to Frederick Douglass so many years ago. How relevant is it today? Is it any less or is it just as relevant today as it was back when it was originally given? But I also want to talk about, and I want to touch bases on this, and that is President Obama has decided to provide clemency, that's right, clemency for nonviolent drug offenders. That is big news. Let's see just how big that news is. Also, I want to give you, for those of you who like to keep up, yesterday is Independence Day, so happy 4th of July, hence the topic of our show today. Uh, this month, actually, is Black Family Month. So I don't know what you all are doing to celebrate black family. Hopefully you're with your family in some fashion or the other. Even more so, I hope you're with them today is because the 4th of July tends to be a family day. It also tends to be a day where we're talking about barbecue. Well, we're going to hit on, hit on all of those topics and hope that you will stay with us as we venture down this path. Uh, it's going to be probably not as long a show today, mainly because it is 4th of July, and I know you all want to get out there to your barbecue. Matter of fact, my grill is, uh, I got the coals being, that are prepping now. That means they're soaking. Not ready just yet, but they will be ready. And thin burgers and hot dogs, probably like most other Americans out there. And also, as we take time to, in some cases, gorge ourselves, May we remember those who might be under the bridge today, those who don't have a refrigerator to keep food, may not have a grill, for that matter, don't even have a house. These celebrations are good to have. May we, first of all, remember the actual reason, not necessarily the reality, but the reasons for it, but also why so many don't have a reason to celebrate. And I would submit to you that in 1864, there was a whole bunch of soon-to-be Americans in 1865 that didn't have much to celebrate. Uh, I want you all to take a moment to reflect back on the origins of, of this country. Who would have ever thought back then that we'd have the most amount of people incarcerated, which some people call slavery, today than any other country on earth? That's a, a pretty big non-accomplishment. But yes, America is the one who did that. Well, President Obama has decided that he wants to do something about that. And what he's decided that he wants to do about that is he's looking at providing clemency for nonviolent uh, drug offenders. He wants to broaden it out. And this is a story that broke in, I, well, that I've seen it in the Huffington Post. And I thought it was a pretty big story, especially as we're celebrating Independence Day. I'm glad the story broke today because there are many of fellow Americans who are incarcerated for things that other people are making a whole lot of money on today. But yet these people are languishing in jail. And so it makes you wonder, well, if people are getting rich off of it legally today, then why would we still punish 
folks who did it when it was illegal, president has decided or is in the process of deciding to offer that clemency for those nonviolent drug offenders. Now, of course, to me, that begs the question is, well, what about those drug offenders who had a, some type of violent act due to selling drugs that are now legal? I'm not quite there yet on releasing them, but I do think that needs to be a part of the conversation. So continue looking at this, because this can be done through executive order, obviously federal crimes, and he's looking at commuting the sentences. And this is doing it basically at one time. This means that if the president does that, if President Obama, the black president, if he signs that executive order, he will probably commute more sentences at one time, president, possibly in modern times for sure, and at least in a half century. What a major story to break on Independence Day. Can you imagine all of the fathers reunited with their families, with their children, the impact that that can have on America and specifically the African-American community? Because it's not just all blacks who get arrested, but who've gotten arrested for drug offenses. So I did want to share that bit of news because I do think that's news that's worthy to be shared. And talk about that. I also wanted to, to share the story about, and this is a, a story about a giant who many of you may not have heard about. And that was Clyde Kennard. Clyde Kennard was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He also, and he was born in, in the 1920s. He served in World War II, and he honorably served. Served in a couple of theaters of battle during World War II. And he was honorably discharged from military service. And and this story really hit home with me as a military man who says that freedom isn't free because it isn't. There's always been someone to pay the price. But even when folks were celebrating July 4th, Back in the late 1700s, there were Americans who were enslaved, and they were paying a price, too, for that freedom that those whites were celebrating. Well, Clive Kennard came back from the military and settled in Chicago and was going to school in Chicago, going to college. He was pretty much living the American dream and doing what so many says that people should do and even say what people should do today. But in the process of doing that, he wanted to help his mother out. Father wasn't there, so he bought some land, some farmland for his mother. But his mother wasn't able to take care of it. So being the good son that he is, he moved back to Mississippi. And when he moved back to Mississippi, his mother out, he was three years into his college education with just a year remaining. And he applied to go to college in Mississippi. Now, mind you, Brown v. Board of Education has been settled. No more separate but equal. But Mississippi has a history of still wanting to continue its traditions of Jim Crow and really of pre-Civil War slavery and subjugation of blacks. So they weren't really happy with someone trying to integrate their quite all-white school. There was even offers to pay 
for Clyde Kennard's college education in a black school, any school but an all-white school in Mississippi. But Clyde Kennard had a sick mom, and those schools were a lot further from his house because so there was transportation issues, there were time issues. So Clyde Kennard wanted to go to a school that was close to him, the Mississippi State. And they weren't having it at that time. As we celebrate Independence Day, this was in the 50s. This was a person who had paid the price. He had served his country honorably. He would go into school, productive citizen, but yet, by law, he had the freedom to do so. Well, there were some people, and I believe somebody fact-checked me, stole some, some chickens or some chicken eggs. And somehow they got one of the folks arrested to say that Clyde Kennard was the mastermind of the heist. And they sentenced Clyde Kennard to, I believe, seven years in jail. But shortly after Clyde Kennard was sentenced, he was discovered to have cancer. And he was sick. Petitioned, it was petitioned for him to go home. But it was denied. And they kept him there with cancer beyond treatment of the facility. And he got sicker. And eventually he got so sick that he couldn't work. So you know you're sick. And just imagine the brutalization that is being inflicted, that was inflicted on Clyde Kennard. A man innocent, a man trying to do the right thing, a man trying to take care of his mom who simply wanted to go to school, a man who had served his country. Well, I, in the title of the show, I said that Clyde Kennard got his independence through his death. Well, before he passed away, the state had a problem on its hands. And that problem was what did they do with Clyde Kennard? Kennard was, for all practical purposes, a political prisoner in the United States who was sick with cancer, diagnosed, recommended to go home, the state denied it, but now he's so sick he can't work, and he was dying. So I wish I could say, because evidence was produced that showed that he was railroaded into jail, I wish I could say that they had decided that they had made a, that they did him wrong, but that's not the case, was that they didn't want a political prisoner to die in their jail, and it would make them look bad. So they unceremoniously released Clive Kennard in time enough to go home and die. That is the story. Of, please look up more information on Clive Kennard because it's all over the Internet. It is a sad story, but it is a true story. And on July 4th, the man who was born on June 12th, 1927, who when he turned 18, joined the Army, fought in Germany and Korea and received the honorable discharge 
whose stepfather died and as a good son went back home, purchased land for his mother to help her out, then to continue his education, applied to finish it at Mississippi Southern, was denied simply because of the color of his skin. Then railroaded into jail to jail supposedly for trying to steal, well, for illegal possession of whiskey and some say trying to being the mastermind to steal some chicken eggs. Chickens. He was sentenced to jail. It was actually chicken feed. He was sentenced to jail. Of course, it was an all-white jury, a jury of his peers, right? And it was a felony conviction. So that means he pretty much he went to jail. He was sent to Parchman Penitentiary, which was basically a cotton plantation prison. The only time he got off was on a Sunday. After being in jail for a year, he was complaining of stomach pain. went finally to the University of Mississippi Hospital in Jackson where the doctors found basically he had colon cancer. But he was sent back to the cotton fields. Canard couldn't work. The doctors suggested that he be sent home. This is the length that they went to keep this man incarcerated simply because he wanted to go and finish his college education at a place close to his home with his mother. It took about two years of protests and finally Kennard's sentence was suspended. Even after that, Kennard had a positive attitude. He had to go emergency surgery in Chicago, but the intestinal cancer, because it didn't get the proper treatment, had spread. The man went down to 100 pounds. On July 4th, 1963, Clive Kennard became one with the angels. I want you to reflect back on the opening speech from Frederick Douglass as recited by James Earl Jones. And think, what does What is the 4th of July to the Negro? And what should it mean to everyone? Yes, celebrate. But think about the 4th of July in a context greater than just flipping burgers. The story of Clive Kennard on July 4th military man taking care of his family basically sentenced to death for supposedly masterminding the theft of chicken feed and illegal possession of whiskey this falls so in line with our opening story of President Obama on the verge of providing clemency for nonviolent drug offenders we should not rest 
detail the freedom that's promised in the deck from the Declaration of Independence to the United States Constitution is for all Americans. And though we celebrate today, let us remember people like Clyde Kennard who paid the price. As we remember those brave men and women who put on the uniform that defeated the British and has defeated all others since then, they made a sacrifice. Many of them made the ultimate sacrifice. They paid the cost for the freedom that you have to flip those price for our freedom. Freedom. He is one of those giants who shows us in which we stand. So, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live, and we're going to have an abbreviated show today. What we're talking about is the 4th of July to the Negro, as articulated in a speech that Frederick Douglass gave as recited by James Earl Jones at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk about barbecue. We just talked about Clyde Kennard and the president's clemency for nonviolent drug offenders. And now I, I want to go to the 4th of July to the Negro. And what does it mean? Frederick Douglass wanted to know why was he invited to talk about such a celebration when at best it was a mockery of him and all like him had been enslaved by this country and were enslaved at the time that they were talking about inalienable rights guaranteed to all men. Today we have controversies about the Confederate flag, which is symbolizing the oppression and enslavement of those same people that Frederick Douglass was talking about. I know some people say, well, Rodney, on a day of celebration, why would you talk about what does the 4th of July mean to the Negro? Well, I would simply say this, that even after the Civil War ended in April of 1865, put it in context that the Emancipation Proclamation happened In 1863, been signed into law in 1862. But it wasn't until June 19th, Juneteenth, Emancipation Day, Day of Jubilee, it wasn't until June 19th that the slaves in Texas were told that they were free. And even though by July 4th, of 1865, the wars were over, the slaves in Galveston were notified, there were still some amendments that had to take place to give Americans, black people now, the full rights, things as others. You know, as we move on, as many of you know, this show could not be without the help, support, and encouragement of my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. So let's welcome her to the show. Good afternoon, Angela. Good afternoon, Rodney and world. What's happening? Uh, Fourth of July in America. You know, um, with the new cosmetic line, my manufacturer's out of Canada, and Canada had Canada Day a few days ago, earlier in the week. And so I'm just surrounded by all of these uh, days of independence, this part of the planet. Yes, it is independent. We started to show, what I started to show out with today was a speech uh, that from Frederick Douglass that was recited by James Earl Jones. By the great James and Earl Jones, about, I heard that. Right. and What a so great voice to, 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 to uh, talk about the point that this is not a day of jubilation and celebration for everyone and you know, I think uh, us in modern times, we kind of lose sight of that fact 
as we all have, you know, strive and, and have become Americans, we've, you know, adopted these holidays as our own with little reverence for the history and what actually transpired. In Our history great... runs so deep. Yeah. And the African American history runs in conjunction as it runs parallel to America's history. Mm-hmm. And so often the American side of the history often leaves out the African American contributions in history. Or sometimes just changes it to something different. So though I believe the ideas of America started out decent, there was one glaring error, and that was slavery. And then you can say that another one was the treatment of the indigenous population. I was going to say, before they got to us, there was some other glaring... Uh, you know, some other glaring things that made uh, this United States a, a crime scene before we even, before the crime of slavery ever got to the shores of America. There was, there was another crime scene that happened. So when you when you think about those words that were written that are lauded, you also have mm. to think that on the other side of it, there was a group of people, African, because they weren't Americans at the time, African, who if they would have had the ability to read, just like Frederick Douglass said in his speech, would have thought that those were some pretty hollow words. Hmm. While the rest of the world may have looked at them and reveled over them, if Africans could have looked at those words, it wouldn't have been revelry because it would have been, as Frederick said, words of hypocrisy. And even today, with the president nearing a decision to provide clemency to nonviolent drug offenders, we have more people incarcerated than any other country on earth, yet we talk about the freedom and independence of America. It is a dichotomy in word and actions, but it is still the country and it's still my country. And it was still Clyde Kennard's country, who was born in Jim Crow and ultimately died because of the savagery of Jim Crow, who was honorably who honorably served in two theaters of battle, Korea and Germany during World War Two, then came home and went to school in Chicago for three years to get his college degree. Mom got sick, we talked about the story earlier. He goes home to take care of his mom. He buys her some land. He applies to go to southern Mississippi. And because of that, he is jailed on trumped-up charges, develops colon cancer. They refuse to release him, still sent him out on a prison labor farm. Really, it was just a plantation. He was still enslaved. And finally was released because of embarrassment. I mean, there was some petition, but ultimately it was because they did not want a political prisoner to die in captivity. I wanted to frame the celebration of Independence Day and the hypocrisy of the word when we look at the truth that is American. So, yes, the words were lofty, but the actions were often brutal. But Angela, he did go to college. Clyde Kennard did go to college in your uh, your city. Mm 
and later dies back in his home state in Mississippi because of the brutality of a country that talked about the inalienable rights of all men. That is America and that is independence. Hopefully the president will do the right thing and continue to sign that clemency for those nonviolent drug offenders. So what does the 4th of July mean to the Negro? What should the 4th of July mean to all Americans? Yes, it is a time to celebrate. It is family time. But I hope that you will also reflect that America did not always provide, and still to this day does not always provide for its own people or a segment of its people to celebrate that independence that it often brags about so boldly. So, 4th of July, what does it mean to the Negro? What should it, what should it mean to all Americans? Well, the final topic that I want to cover today, as we have our abbreviated show, is the barbecue. It's connection to the 4th of July and, of course, to black people. Of course, who was doing all the cooking during slavery? It was black people. When Juneteenth came around, in 1865, June 19th, what did black people do? They barbecued. And what are most of us doing today? We're going to barbecue. Well, let us explore how barbecue, slavery, and the 4th of July are related. Are you ready, Angela? I'm ready. This should be interesting. I thought it was my mom, the chef, Bartell. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in her her blood, yes, because it was <laughs> down there. Because here's the story. And it actually had something to do with Jamaica as well. Also had something to do with pirates. Yeah. Yes. All interwoven, all intertwined into the modern this day should be good. So, this is how it happened. Believe it or not, barbecue has been attributed to Europeans, of course. Oftentimes associated with the Germans or and or the Czechs, which they have a form of it, no doubt. But people were barbecuing in the Americas as well as in Africa, probably when before Germans were called Germans. And the Czech was even Czechoslovakia was even created because there was a word actually in Africa for barbecuing. Now I'm not going to butcher the word, but it was it sounded very similar to modern day barbecue. Now the French have a word that sounds very similar to the word that the Africans use for barbecue, but the French didn't create the barbecue because. In Africa, in the African language, it simply meant roasting on an open fire, open fire, uh-huh. a, a large piece of meat, or a whole animal. That was what the word translated in in the African language. That's what the French used to describe it. And the reason why the French is very important in this story is because of piracy. And this is where the Caribbean. Jamaica comes into play. When hmm. people were fighting down in the Caribbean, the Spanish, the French, the English, there were pirates down there. And oftentimes they were trying to escape. And when they would try to escape, they would take safe harbor on Caribbean islands. Well, when they did that, they needed to eat. And they noticed that the people there cook their food on an open flame or grilled it in large with large slabs of meat 
or whole pieces, whole animals. And it also helped preserve it with the seasoning. Hence, why we have jerk chicken to this day. Very nice. This is a true story. And the indigenous population here in the Americas, up and down the Americas, were very similar in food preparation as African. I mean, let's face it. They were all indigenous people. They needed to preserve their food. So part, how do you preserve food? Some people, they salt it, right? Right. Other people smoke it or barbecue it. They didn't barbecue it like we do today till the meat totally done. They only partially barbecued it or half smoked it because then that meat would last longer. They didn't have refrigerators. Well, they found the, when Africans came to this country, and here's an interesting aside, in roughly 1590, uh, I might have been 1560 something, somebody look up fact check. South Carolina had a group of people who settled there and they abandoned the settlement. But when they abandoned the settlement, they left the slaves. Well, the slaves and the indigenous population, what we call Native Americans or Indians, they didn't have a beef with one another. Pun intended. So Uh what they did was they realized that they had similar cooking methods and they shared those methods, which also established a bond, just as food establishes a bond with us today. We also know that the Europeans bought pigs to the continent. And, of course, many of those pigs escaped and became feral. And you could almost say that pigs infested South Carolina before it was even South Carolina. And even to this day, there's wild pigs, wild boar in South Carolina, North Carolina, Carolina. and that southeast region. That's Mm -hmm. right. Well, of course, that made for plentiful food for those the indigenous population as well as those Africans. Those Africans who knew how to prepare pigs, knew how to prepare large animals, basically were able to hunt with the indigenous population pigs, and they had a method of preparing them, which was handed down from generation to generation. Also, there were maroon colonies in Jamaica as well as in the southeast portion of the United States. And these people had to live on the land, so to speak, and part of the way that they did that was by barbecuing. And in the Caribbean, barbecuing slash jerking. And this became a tradition that was passed down. Well, as slavery grew in the Americas, this form of cooking proliferated. So it wasn't that there was white overseers from Czech and who were Czech and German who were standing over these slaves, teaching them how to barbecue in the style from their country. Actually, just the opposite, because slaves were the ones who prepared all the food, right? Right. Well, the slaves prepared the food for themselves, and of course their masters seen the food, and they wanted to eat it too. So the slaves are the ones who came up with the way of barbecue, barbecuing, cooking the whole animal, or we call it today whole hog, or large slabs of meat like ribs, barbecuing. Slavery, Africans, Native Americans, piracy, Jamaica, all work to spread the method of cooking that today we call barbecuing throughout the Americas and into European civilizations all the way up into, through North America into Canada. Slaves, black people, once again, contributed to the celebration of the holiday that we're having today with barbecue. Well, all right. Hmm. 
Very interesting history. We are so interwoven in America's history, and that's why oftentimes I put African-American history is American history because they brought us here. And once we got here, we had to survive. We had to do it. We had to live. I, people oftentimes look at slaves, and they look at them as those, as low life, something less than. But when I look back at them, I look at, look at all of the things that we have today because of them. Because whether it's them, yeah. inventions or whether it's the lifestyle that we have because of what they endured. So as we celebrate Independence Day with our barbecue, let us reflect on the price that was paid for America's independence and for our own. And that even though America has lofty words to talk about its independence from the Declaration of Independence, that independence didn't come to all people at the same time. And I submit that there are some people, particularly the black person, that still don't have full independence in America. But yet, like Clyde Kennard, who was born in the 1920s, went and served his country in two theaters of battle, came home, went to college, tried to do the right thing. And after Brown v. Board of Education, that struck down separate but equal was not allowed to finish the last year of his four-year college education simply because he was a black man. Eventually died on the 4th of July in 1963. A pioneer in the civil rights movement that many may not have known much about, if anything. Hopefully, as you do dine on those burgers, some with steaks, ribs, let's think about what went into us having this freedom. And let us remember the shoulders of those that we stand on. Because maybe we should learn from them because someday others are going to need to stand on ours. Well... Angela, I didn't want to have a long show today because I know you're spending time with family and I know folks out there are doing their thing. But hopefully you'll look up the history of barbecuing and its relationship to, well, black people. Hopefully you'll take time to listen again, and I'm going to play it at the end of the show, to Frederick Douglass's speech as recited by James Earl Jones and contemplate and reflect on that. But also I would ask that you all remember the folks who wear the, the country's uniform today. Some of them may be back home on vacation and some of them who are still standing on that wall on their post, maintaining the watch. So at a time of high threat warning that we can go out and spend time with our friends, families, and neighbors, some guzzling, some type of beer or other alcoholic beverage or maybe something sweet and fruity, leisurely spending time with their families in their backyards of their wealthy of their well-prone lawns, really with not a care in the world, but when will the food be ready? Angela, happy Independence Day. Thank you. Same to you, Rodney, and thank you for your service. There was a time, a long time, that you walked the wall for us to enjoy some of these freedoms. So I'd like to thank you for your service, and I hope you have an incredible 4th of July. And uh, enjoy your plate. <laughs> well, once I uh, go out there and start flipping them burgers, but 
Thank you okay. for that, Angela. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I I really hope that we do take a moment to remember those who are, an example would be those who are under the bridge. And as we enjoy this speech, that there's many others out there who are not in a position to do so. May we strive right. as a nation and as a world to create an environment where all people can have a full stomach on not just Independence Day, but every day. Because no day do they feel free because each day they're in search of their food and a certain amount of liberty that we get to celebrate simply when we open up a refrigerator, go into a, a cupboard. Let us not forget them this day as we feast. And let us not forget those who came before us and paid that price and those who are walking the line, walking the wall, standing the watch, who are still paying that price for us today. Well, and on that note, I am going to shut it down. But I'm going to shut it down with this speech from Frederick Douglass for everyone to reflect on before they go back to those births. Talk to you on the flip side, Angela. Bye-bye. All right. Everybody have a great holiday. Enjoy the speech. Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, once a slave, became a brilliant and powerful leader of the anti-slavery movement. In 1852, he was asked to speak in celebration of the 4th of July. Fellow citizens, pardon me and allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or those I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us. I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems or in human mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days of the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes that would it, that would disgrace a nation of savages. There's not a nation of the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody 
than are the people of these United States at this very hour. At a time like this, scorching irony, not convincing argument, is needed. Oh, had I the ability and could reach the nation's ear, I would today pour forth a stream, a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed, and the crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced.